Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavides, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, DJ Mark. Sup? Also with me, Kid Presentable. Poor Overeem, right? He's not looking very sexy, as he put it. Not looking got very those se- loose lips right now. Yeah, not I mean, sexy. not even just that. The man wanted to touch gloves. Yeah, that was not explained either. Also, finally with me, a man whose breath is minty fresh. As we all had to listen to him gargle with mouthwash less than a minute ago, Lavender Gooms. It's actually not very mincy fresh because it's actually a gum tonic that my dentist gave me that I'm supposed to use it at night. And actually it makes my breath pretty shitty smelling. So I can only use it at night. I can't use it in the morning or else like I'm pretty much going to have to brush Well, Mike, you just got played, son. That just means your dentist just whipped up some smelly shit in his back room and he said, yo, son, this is some well, real good mouthwash here. It's a, it's a, it's an all natural mouthwash that's supposed to help with like, uh, like really help with getting in between the gums. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's like 30 bucks a pop. So yeah, maybe no, they're just trying to get me for that's my just money. bathtub. That's just his bathtub moonshine. He just, he just tricked you with that's all that patchouli sitting in water. Just gross shit right there anyway i'm thinking by the way we're like 370 60 somewhere that episodes in we, we might are need... on episode 360 actually no, 360 nice. coming to you from all around it was terrible right well, back where we started exactly we either gotta like abandon the nicknames because we pretty much do the minute the podcast starts i mean you'll notice there's some continuity in my nickname because i thought ahead no, that, you were just lazy, and that was already your nickname, your uh, name from that, college. That was already a nickname, and it has <laughs> my name in it. I'm not trying to hide from anybody. I'm Mark. All right. My nickname describes my appearance in an audio medium. You know, yeah, trying to, trying to help just, get, give a get, paint a picture for our listeners. It just describes that you like The Simpsons. That's all it does. Yeah. Uh, at this point, Bobby, we've been doing this for 360 episodes. Uh, you're going to keep introducing us the same way. Yeah, fine. It, it's locked in. <laughs> All right, boys and girls, uh, we're going to talk about Alistair Overeem's very not sexy lip and mm. the rest of that card. Really, we're just going to get on to UFC 245 because we got three title fights and two other fights on the main card. That actually uh, is pretty goddamn deep. This prelim card isn't bad either. Mostly, Mark, I'm staring at Ben Saunders and Matt Brown and thinking, yeah, I'm here for that. That's a good uh, prelim opener. Yeah, Um Anyway, um, UFC was in D.C. this past weekend. It was the first card in like three weeks, maybe something like that. Uh, We hadn't paid attention in a while. If anybody listens to this podcast knows, but uh, it was fucking weird. Steph, real fucking weird. We had two draws and what should have been a no contest. Uh, Poor Stefan Struve. Um, But Steph, why don't you tell us what happened in that Overeem fight? (laughs) For the up until the point you stop paying attention, let's go with I that mean, part. Yeah, though. like I was telling tell, telling the boys, you know, like that fight is, you know, it wasn't a bad fight, but in the final round, I just walked away. I'm like, okay, the the story's been written here. We know what's done here. Came back like several minutes later. 
Uh, and then we're interviewing Rosenstroik. And I'm like, why is this guy talking? And I was like, what happened? You know, got a quick shot of Reem. And I'm like, ooh, something did happen there. Um, but I mean, for the majority of the fight, Reem fought smart. Um, he got a couple trip takedowns in there. Um, you don't see a lot of fights where he's the aggressor in terms of grappling. Um, yeah, he. it turns out Rosenstroik's kind of a counter-striker. Reem wasn't very kind of active in pushing the striking. He, he got some good counter shots in, but for the most part, he play, he fought a very conservative, I'm going to clinch you, I'm going to work for the takedown, uh, get some top control. Because um, Rosenstrike, you know, he came in undefeated. Uh, I didn't know much about him, but, you know, he seemed like a prospect, right? He was getting a lot of TKOs. He was getting a lot of finishes in the first round. Yep. Um, every round he progressed in, they kept saying he's never been to this round before. Um, but turns out, like another fighter on this card who was a vaunted prospect, they didn't have much in the way of takedown defense. They definitely didn't have very, or particularly Rosestrike didn't have much in the way of getup. Um, he didn't seem to really, I, I heard his coaches yell to fight for that underhook, uh, so he can get up. He never did it. He, he never really went for it. Um, I think, uh, whoever is, someone's having fun with Rose, with Biggie Boy, as we like to call him's Wikipedia page, because his last three knockouts, it says, KO jab, KO jab. And on this one, it says KO heavy jab, which I don't think that's what I saw, Mark, when he exploded uh, over him's lip. I mean, <laughs> I watched it a few times. <laughs> there couldn't have been a bigger guy throwing more of his weight forward yeah. in that last punch than. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, mostly, you know, what Stefan was saying, it was very accurate. You know, uh, Overing came in very calculated and methodical in this fight. He. Didn't really make a lot of mistakes, you know, throughout the fight. Uh, you know, he he does have a tendency. One of his, I mean, I think your biggest con with Overeem, and a lot of people will say it's his weak chin. It's it's his poor defense, especially when he gets cracked. He kind of just goes to the back of the cage, covers up, and just prays to God the dude doesn't finish him. Um, and we got a couple of those in when he got hit hard, but for the most part, you know, he was he was getting the better better of the exchanges. His punches weren't heavy, but they were landing more cleanly and consistent consistently and he was winning most of the rounds you know i think i had him winning the first three i gave rosen strike the fourth because he landed he had some good flurries in there um and then ultimately what this came down to and really what i want to point out with rosen streak is some of the things that he did well because honestly when you look back at this fight and i hopefully his camp sees this too is like there's a lot of room for improvement you know he is a prospect he doesn't have a lot of fights under his belt i expect him to be green in some areas but you know he pretty much got dominated until that last punch uh, was able to turn the fight around. You know, he was going to lose that fight. And I think, on honestly, and we, we need to get into the stoppage and the finish. And just because, honestly, the most interesting things in this fight happened the three seconds after that punch landed and the kerfuffle of <laughs> almost everyone making mistakes that Rosenstrike could have easily lost this fight. So essentially what happens in the last 10 seconds, you know, Overeem in the last round was asserting himself all right. But right when he, hear when he hears that clapper for those 10 seconds left, he stops going forward. He starts going backwards and his hands drop. And you can tell like he's mentally exhausted and in his head he's probably thinking 10 seconds. Just got to last 10 seconds and I'll win this decision. And that's where Ovenstrike sees that opportunity, presses forward and lands that big punch. So he lands this punch, obliterates his face. His lip is, you know, cut open, probably as bad. Um, the only one that comes to mind is uh, Robbie Lawler, right? When he fought Rory McDonald, his face got really beat up too. Um, Overing's out with the punch hits. Now, circumstance has it where he's so close to the cage just probably saves him from you know having a really bad fall if he were to go flatline and just fall straight back you know he could have smashed his head um but essentially the cave 
kind of, the cage kind of saves him here. He falls back into the cage. He lands in a seated position. Now, when Rosenstrike lands the strike, he does the Mark Hunt uh, walk-off celebration, which is in the first round at 2.30, go ahead and do your walk-off, man, because you got two minutes and 30 seconds left if the ref doesn't stop it. You know this dude's really hurt. You can finish that fight. When you're at round five of a fight you're losing and there's four seconds left, I'm going to recommend you don't do the walk-off because the walk-off gives the referee an opportunity to not stop the fight and see, does, is Overham okay? Is he going to stand up? Is Do I have to stop this fight right now? Because look, he the fighter does not stop the fight. The referee, that is his dis- discretion. If the fighter wants to celebrate early, that's totally fine. That's up to him. He leaves himself exposed to attacks if his opponent is you know conscious, and he leaves it to the discretion of the referee to stop the fight. So what happened? And Bobby, do you remember who the, it was? Big Dan, right? Dan Mugliotti. It was yeah. Tan, Tan Dan Tan had Dan. an interesting so, night. So what happens is punch lands, right? And Dan runs in, potentially to stop the fight. He has not waved off the fight. And a lot of the talk after this fight is that um, he waved it off too early, which is the absolute <clears throat> wrong. He yeah, waved it yeah, off Mark, too I, I was going to ask you because mm-hmm. from what I'd read online, I, as you guys can imagine, I was an old man and fell asleep before the main event. Um, from what I read online, it seemed that Overeem got knocked down. Then for some reason, Dan stepped in. Overeem got back up, and then when Dan saw the cut, that's when like he waved it off, or like how yeah, exactly did it go? So, yeah. So what happened? So he drops right now. Dan's running in potentially. I mean, Ozenstrike might think he's stopping the fight at that moment. He might just be getting a better look to see if this guy's actually finished. But he does. He gets in between the fighters. Rosenstreich is already celebrating at this point. He's getting in between the fighters. That's this is when Overeem kind of comes to because he's out for a second. He basically lands on his butt, and that kind of wakes him up. So he. As soon as he wakes up, he get he stands right back up. So he's not even on the ground covering up or anything. He stands right back up, and Dan is kind of in between him. And you can see as Overeem's getting up, his pelvis kind of pushes Overeem a little bit in, a, in into the direction. So Overeem stands up and he starts walking to the side because honestly, the the click the the ten second clap had already clapped. At this point, the other fighter is walking away celebrating. Overeem lost a few seconds there when he's knocked unconscious. So I'm almost, I'm almost positive. He just thought the fight was over. He got cracked. He didn't know if it was if it was basically the other fighter disengaged was walking away to hit like to a corner. So I'm sure when Overeem came to, he probably just thought like, oh, I guess the fight's over, not knowing that it was waved off or there's still time in the fight. And basically, yeah, he he stands up, he starts walking to the side, and that's when Dan follows him. He still hasn't called off the fight, sees him take a few steps, sees his face is cut, and then waves off the fight. Which, if he's going to wave it off for the cut, there's really not much fight happening in the left. There's literally seconds left. The other fighter is completely disengaged. This fighter is not in any harm anymore. Dan could have not waved off the fight and let it go to the decision. And Overham could have won this fight. And he did wave off the fight. And ultimately, I think that's the right call. I think Rosenstein, or Rosenstrike, right? I, I'm not going to, I didn't, I didn't get to hear Biggie uh, boy. Biggie, Biggie Boy, thank you, Bobby. That, this, this, this is what the guy needs to do. Biggie Boy. That's honestly, why I'm the producer of this podcast. I got his back. <laughs> he, he literally almost threw away the biggest victory of his whole career because he wanted to have that walk-off moment. Because if he would have just stayed next to over him, like, I'm about to punch this dude again. Someone better stop this because I'm going to seriously hurt this dude. Dan would have waved it off immediately. Because he walked away, it gave Dan this opportunity to kind of check out over him. And honestly, if he was going to stop it for the cut, technically he could have stopped the fight with two seconds left, had the doctor come in and be like, is is he okay to continue? Maybe he is, maybe he's not. But he basically, he decides to wave it off. It was a very 
the timing was just bad. If he would have waved it off as soon as the punch landed, totally fine. If he would have waved it off as soon as Rosen, big Biggie Boy, walked away, that's fine. The fact that he let over and get back up, the fight was basically over. No one's engaging in each, each other anymore. And then waved it off was just like, that was just no. not... That was the wrong time to do it. But ultimately, I, I, I think the outcome, I think Rosenstrike, he deserved this one. Biggie Boy, you know, he had to dig deep. He got it in the last second. And what I, and what I will say, what I did like about this guy, fantastic composure. He was up against it. He was in bad spots throughout this fight. He did not freak out. He saved his gas tank. He had something left in the tank in all those rounds. That's ultimately what, what won him now, the fight. Now, Mark, I, I have a question for you when because you know you've seen before when someone gets hit with a big shot and they'll be able to at least in some way intelligently defend themselves for maybe 10 15 seconds now considering that there were less than 10 seconds left in this fight yeah overeem's face got obliterated is there a possibility that he could have survived for the maybe eight to six seconds oh. that were left if Tan Dan hadn't, you know, done what he had done. There, there's no question he would have survived because the other fighter stopped fighting. Rosenstrike literally turned around and he celebrated until uh, he didn't even see Dan wave the fight off. He turned to his corner and was celebrating. And then Dan looked at over him. And so it was this fight was all in Dan's hands because the other fighter basically left it in his hands. And Dan could have let over him stand up, not get in between him, not touch him. Just be like, are you standing up? You're still fighting. This guy's not engaging. The buzzer rings. That's the end of the fight, and that so, would have been a horrible mistake on Rosen's and Rosen's. So, so it, it does sound like Dan Dan Mergliata did fuck this up then, because it at least to me, from what I read online, it sounded as if Dan Mergliata kind of almost took a victory away from Overeem. Uh, I, ultimately, like I said, I don't. I think Rosen's strike was the that was the person who was supposed to win. I think what Dan fucked up on was he should have called it sooner because when he called it, the fight was like basically over at this point. Both fighters were completely disengaged. They weren't. Rosen strike was not threatening anymore, and I think that was the mistake. What Dan should have done is right when he ran in, and Rosen strike was was walking away, he should have waved it off right there. It's just so, I'm calling the fight. There's no threat, but this guy's too hurt. In in you guys' opinion. Um, if the fight had gone to the judges, um, obviously that fight, that round probably would have been a 10. Overeem was up four nine, rounds. For sure would have been a 10. Eight Overeem won four rounds. So, yeah. Okay. Like on all the judges yeah. scorecards, he had four rounds. Yeah. So. I, I, I think, you know, uh, kind of the long, the long and short of it is like, it's kind of what Bob said to make this full circle. It's, it wasn't a bad decision, but all around Mergliata had a weird night. He had a kind of like a, ooh, not your best. Not your best. Not the worst thing in the world, but he had a rough night. Uh, we'll get that when we talk about how he handled the Struve match. That yeah. was a odd. That was an odd duck of a fight. So this one, we come out of it with Overeem winning four, minute, four rounds of this fight at least, getting knocked out at the end. Biggie Boy gets a win, still undefeated in the UFC. I believe that's his fourth win in the UFC. <laughs> I like that he had a man to call out. It, what, what I like, what I love is after he wins, you see all the uh, the credentials he gets. He's like longest heavyweight winning streak, longest KO streak because the heavyweight division's so thin. You rack up four wins, baby. You're on top of the world. And uh, Biggie Boy here got himself a hell of a kickboxing record, by the way. Seventy six wins, eight losses. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. He's also got an interesting personal life section of Wikipedia, where he got arrested for smuggling drugs. Because he was with seven other people who all said they were at a kickboxing event. 
After 16 months of detention, Biggie Boy was released as Dutch authorities found the other seven members had swallowed balls of drugs, but Biggie Boy had not, and he was the only one who actually was a kickboxer. So <laughs> that's that's rough times, man. You spent 16 months in jail. So, um, all right, the rest of this card, which we're gonna go through a little bit faster here. Um, Cynthia Calvillo showed up five pounds over eight, overweight, lost the first two rounds, and then spent the third round. And then, or somewhere um, in the third round, someone was informed of her. Uh, someone informed her that she was giving up 30 percent of her check, and uh, if she doesn't, you know. Trying to get a win here. That's still going to be a big chunk of change. Uh, she got a 10-8. The scorecard was correct. The tend to draw scorecard across the board, quite frankly. Uh, the one judge who didn't give it a 10-8 round in the third round was crazy. Because I thought they were going to stop it a few times there. I don't think that's what happened, Bob. I assumed the one that was 29-28 for... Was that, wasn't that for Cynthia? Or was it for the other girl? It's for the other girl. They gave a... Because oh, okay. that first round was close. She no, they took her down uh, twice and got her back at the end of the round. I was like, that's a toss-up coin toss round for me. So uh, I'm looking at MMA decisions. We got uh, 96%. Are you talking about the first round? Yeah, because the first round she got two takedowns. And she ended the round on top. I was like, that's close. It was close. I, I didn't... One way or the other, it was just a close round. Um. So all three judges gave that to Rodriguez, gave her the second round too. Two judges scored the fight correctly in the third round, giving it a 10-8 to Calvillo. One of them wasn't paying attention and gave her a 10-9. Um, but it was a draw. I was honestly really left a bad taste in my mouth with Cynthia. And I was not really thrilled with this other girl saying that she couldn't get off bottom because the other girl, because Cynthia was four pounds over, five pounds over eight. If she was That's, four pounds lighter, I would have been able to. That was a big bag of bullshit. Oh, no, that's accurate, Bobby. That's accurate. The shame goes to the person who missed weight by a division. She okay? gets plenty of shame. Shame goes to that person. And what what I will say, too, like, these, all these draws just made me think, like, man, you know what I really miss? Fucking pride judging. Because this shit would not happen. Because it's just like they judge a completely different. Calvillo would have won. Uh, well, Marina might have won because one of the rule criteria is if the other person outweighs you, you get a little bit of extra... On the judges' scorecard, I think Cynthia would have won it in Pride. Yeah, she was beating her ass. Um, that was not. Didn't, a, uh, didn't Pride also have like a one more round uh, rule as well? That's uh, mm, no, K1. that was K one. Uh, yeah, uh, we don't want to harp on the rest of this card too much, but that was just Calvillo. That was a nice recovery in the third round. Give her credit where credit's due. She's a good fighter and all, but you gotta be a professional here, man. And I, I mean, saw, she, you, she you, did you, mention you, after the fight that um, she'll seriously consider going up to 125 now since it seems that her weight cuts to 115 haven't I mean, been uh, exactly going swimming. I'm trying to see how big she is. I don't uh, think considering is the word she should use. This is like, I, I'm, ma I'm mandated to go to 125 because I miss weight by five fucking pounds. There's no like, oh, let me mull it over. No, you're five pounds. I, I think she would. Weight division. Honestly, that all the weight class is half empty. Like, she, I mean, she's not going to beat Valentina Shevchenko, but there's not a lot of girls in that weight class. And you're right, Mark. She should go. She's not doing – she's missed weight. She missed weight at this weight class twice. And this time it was five pounds over. Oh, so wait, like no. Other, I thought three times. The other one was when she fought Calderwood and Calderwood missed weight. Real good situation here at 115 pounds. I mean, Steph, I want to give, give some shine to Rodriguez because what I took out of that fight is if this girl can learn – some takedown defense and how to like get off her back. 
her stand-up looks fantastic. Oh, yeah. Like, her combinations and her clinch, like, her knees and her elbows, if you're a fan of the eight points of Muay Thai, this girl fucking shows it. Um, it's just a shame that her takedown defense is really bad. She got ankle-picked, you know? That's that's what, uh, what's his name? Uh, Tony got taken down by uh, Couture. It's kind of embarrassing if you're an MMA fighter, um, those ankle picks, but... Like that's that's how bad it was. I but agree. So. Her her stand up like is prospect worthy. That like it, it's a shame that it be, was a draw. I mean, hats off to Calvillo fighting back. But like I, that was my takeaway from those two rounds of Rodriguez. Like, oh, this is like some of the best stand up I've seen of any woman. Like, yeah, in, so uh, she did. Like, she was great those first two rounds. Um, she doesn't have a ton of finishing powers from what it looks like, but technically sound and hitting from all angles. But yeah, you gotta. She got to cut some wood. She got to no. She got to learn how to block uh, to stop a takedown. That was that wasn't great. Um, ben Rothwell, Stefan Struve. Ben Rothwell kicked Stefan Struve in the pills twice, real bad. Um, the crowd was booing whenever Struve was showing he was in pain, cheering when he'd stand up. I'm gonna defend the crowd a little bit because it was fucking late and they were all hammered. It's not the best excuse, but I've seen the crowds do far worse things than this. Tan Dan kind of fucked Struve over a little bit because, like, he wanted to, like, it looked like he was ready to give up after the second nut shot. And Tan Dan's like, if you, if I stop it now, it hasn't been two full rounds. It's going to be a no contest. So he kind of made it sound to Struve like, if you make it to the end of this round and want to go, at least we can say, like, you know. From the nut shots, he, but he he also intimated um, one thing that was caught by the cameras, and I don't think Dan wanted this to be caught by the cameras. I meant by the microphones. Was he also told Struve, um, essentially, you're up two rounds on the scorecards, and there's a minute and a half left in this round. I mean, I'm not sure that matters. That's just his opinion. He maybe that, should. That's a breach of protocol. That's, I, that's I, I've never a, heard. A I've never heard a ref saying that. that. Like, yo, you winning, dog? Like, yo, why are you gonna take a no contest? You know, yeah, like, no, that that should have been a bigger up, deal. Son. That I thought. I thought. Deal. I thought him trying to get him to make it to the end of the round was the bigger deal. Him telling him he thought he was winning. I mean, it wasn't ideal. I thought. I thought the breach happened when he said. Yeah, man, you a couple more minutes, you'll make it. It wasn't great. It right, wasn't it, a good it, night for Tan Dan. Okay. The reason it was the thing where he said you're ahead in the scorecard is because he does the 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 umpire like mask mitt over mouth. He says he says it with the hand over mouth. Yeah, you're you're ahead. Like he doesn't want the lips to be red. Well, he's trying to cover. He's trying to cover the mic. Yeah, he doesn't realize he's covering the mic and he's making it clear what he's saying. I dislike Struve's analysis of the crowd. I told you guys. I told you guys on the group chat. I've never heard Struve be more entertaining than this. Was it this was quote. funny in a heartbreaking way? because yeah. it was so true. Well, someone said, uh, "How did you feel about that crowd?" And Struve said, "Shit was weird as fuck. I felt that was gonna give birth to fucking Charizard, and they are booing and chanting. Then I start to fight again, and they chant USA, USA, like my Dutch balls did something wrong." I've never liked Stefan Struve more than I do right now. To be I honest, was, that, that hurt, I have like, some I questions like, about that quote, though. Um, huh. Does he mean to say that like his dick was on fire or that like he was going to give birth to like something really large and his dick was like splitting in two? Well, considering I hit in the balls, I think he's saying he felt his undercarriage felt a lot of heat 
And I mean, he was feeling it in his stomach. It's also what it was. The audio was picking yeah, have up. You, have you guys not taken like a ridiculously bad uh, nut? Yeah, shot? you've never. You yeah. feel it through your stomach and lungs. So <laughs> I think that's where the giving birth I, analogy is that his abdomen was gonna burst because I, you cannot no, breathe, and it's just. Gonna pretty, I, I think I'm pretty fortunate that I haven't had a nut shot in a long, long time. So okay, well, thankfully, I do not know that feeling anymore. Well, if you, if anyone who does, yeah, it, like. That's 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 I hear, look, I hear, that is I hear our when you closest have birth analogy. I hear when you have babies, you get like hit in the nuts a lot because like you'll have them, like you'll be picking them up and like their little like their little feet will just kick you right in the pills. So I mean also when there's a dog that. that tries to hop over you, that will that will do it too. That uh, happens. Yeah. That that happens sometimes. Yeah, if you have a bulldog, you got a lot of stepping on the junk and a lot of headbutts to the junk. Um it was not a good night for Tan Dan. It was a rough night for Stefan Struve. It was hard to give Ben Rothwell any credit for what happened here in this fight, to be honest. I mean, hats off. He felt bad about winning too. <laughs> He's like, man, I really hated winning that. Like, I, I believe Ben when he said it. Um, it was just he didn't, a, hate, he didn't hate that win bonus though. I liked um, on the next fight. I liked Aspen Lad's coach giving her the fire, like firing her up at the end of the second round. It was like the Condit moment. Well, yeah, because like she was like nothing was like she was doing okay. Like it was whatever, but like the third round started and she beat the shit out of Yana Kuditskaya. Just. I mean, she just, down walked, and, she just walked up to her and gave her a tight left hook. Yeah. <laughs> and that was just it. That was it. Um, Song Yadong and Cody Staman or Stammen. I mean, that was a pretty blatant uh, kick of a down opponent, grounded opponent there. So the, the point was fine. I don't remember. He, I thought Staman won, honestly. Like I thought he won the I round. Think that was a pretty egregious decision. I thought he won draw. the first round. Like I thought he got. I thought the only part of. The, I thought that he was winning the first round, and then he got illegally kicked in the fucking head. Like, did you guys feel otherwise? Like I thought he won this fight. <laughs> I I thought that first round should have been a ten eight, considering I, the uh the point. That's what I had it as. Away. I thought it was a ten eight too. I mean, I don't know. Did you guys, Steph? Do you remember what you had this one for at all? I think maybe I gave uh. Yadong like one round. I I, I, I thought he won him, the second. Yeah, like I, I probably had him losing, but you know I love a fucking draw. I'm not gonna complain. Yeah, that was, um, that was not great. Um, let's just uh, yeah. Kevin like, was really mad. He uh, gave the double bird to the cameras after the decision was read. Yeah, that was definitely what you want to do on the Disney Network. Um, Rob Font beat Ricky Simon. I don't remember what happened. Oh, Stefan said fight. it was good. It was yeah. uh. The uh, the guy who lost was mostly a wrestler, but he was fucking tough and durable as hell. And Font's got fast, good hands. Um, you just couldn't put him away. It was just very competitive back and forth. And shout out to Bryce Mitchell hitting a twister. Um, and in honor of Eddie Bravo, hitting at four minutes and 20 seconds. You know, Eddie Bravo appreciated that, guys. And Matt Sales showed up four pounds overweight, got twistered. It was not a good night. All right, it was not a good night for him. Bryce Mitchell might have locked up submission of the year on a fight that a lot of people didn't didn't see anything but the finish. Yeah, so. I think it's safe to say that um, if you hit only the second twister ever in UFC, uh, yeah, you're probably gonna win a uh, submission of the but year. You gotta get through the year. Remember last year where uh, was it like Algermain got that like crazy like leg hook thing? And then, then like a week, and then a week later, the uh, the the Russian dude did it too. And I was no, like, they got the they fuck? got on the same card. That oh, was the that nutty was, part. They both really got close to each other. Yeah. Um. 
Marcus, um, Trevor Smith, who we fought, we famously confused for Anthony Smith all the time, or at least used True. to. On this card, got knocked out. Correct. Not great. <laughs> Just that was a not crazy great. knockout as well. He's the less yeah. of the two Smiths. Yeah, he was the. Oh, that guy's got a lot of losses to still be in the UFC. That's a real bat. How has he just only fought in the UFC? He showed up in the UFC at ten and two. He is five and ten. That's just wow. He must be someone's cousin. Um. All right, let's talk about this card because I don't know if any news happened this past week besides the UFC being a bunch of scumbags to uh, Liz Carmouche. And did we confirm, Mark? Was her last fight for the belt? I. I mean, I didn't confirm, but it's pretty much what I remember. Like, I believe I read that. Yeah, she last fought for a belt. Like, I don't know. I mean, she asked for money. Probably that sounds about right. If I'm gonna guess, yep. Probably yeah. she's won six or four of her last six. She definitely asked for more money. That's what did it. Um. All right. Uh. Let's talk about UFC 245. A card the UFC completely loaded up. Just a kind of Marcus. What we want from a card at this point well and what we expect at the end of the year usually this card comes a little closer to new year's and yeah. uh it's usually always stacked um let's just get up. into it there, there's no proven sellers i'll say that it, it is loaded in terms of like states yeah. but there's not a lot of quantifiable sellers here. real talk i would have put amanda nunez at the top of the card and people. like that's what i would have done beyond her just owing it i think people know her more than they know any of these other people but i think that there's a I guess a more sellable storyline for they're uh, hoping the president tomorrow and Colby. They, they think the president or his sons are going to tweet about nah, it. Nah, right? man, yo, the president only goes to UFC events where there's a Diaz. Brother. Yeah, but the other the other motherfuckers, the, the the two moron kids, showed up for Colby's last one. No one gives a shit about the moron kids. It's all about the El Presidente, man. I don't know, man. Forty percent of the country might care about him. Anyway, let's just uh, let's just fucking pick this thing. I have not seen any of the countdowns or embeddeds because, well, what's the fucking point? Um, Kamara Usman, who I feel has not fought since he won, since he won that belt. Correct. Unless I, yeah, okay. You are correct. He, he beat, uh, Tyron Woodley, um, 5-0, five rounds to nothing back in March. I believe all of our analysis for that fight was he's young. He's like a younger Tyron Woodley, but he doesn't seem like he's ready. Turns out he was ready. Um, Kobe Covington probably deserved that title shot, but fucked up four different ways along the way. Um, last fought in August after taking a ye 15 months off for no reason other than him being a dumbass. Um, just put a pace on Robbie Lawler for 25 minutes, Marcus, right? Just an impressive pace. Yeah, that was um, my, you know, I, I've seen Covington fight before, but that was my first new look at him really, you know, coming to, to per, uh, you know, it's very Chael Sonnen, right? Like just in your face, constant pressure. Uh, I mean, I wrestling. think he's a lot better than Chael Sonnen because he, because, because Chael was just like, he had to get you to the ground. Then he could yeah. start working. Like that was a struggle. Covington does not have that issue. He's going to fucking punch you in the face the whole time. And I don't care yeah. if you're Robbie Lawler and you can take my head off. I'm going to constantly put pressure on you. He's just a, he's just a, Pressure fighter to the extreme. Um, betting line, Steph. Uh, we got Mr. Usman as the slight favorite at minus 175 with a plus 155 to Colby Covington. Um, yeah, this and the next fight, it's kind of closer lines than you normally see for title fights. Who do you got? Um, 
come to me last because I want to see if I am going to be backed into picking something. You're not going to be. Mark's picking him. I got. Ooh. So do you want to? Well, you want to still wait? Hey, yeah, come back to me last. I got Kamara Usman. I know how he loses this fight. I think Mark described exactly how he loses this fight. But I think he is faster. I think he's a. I think he's more technically skilled. I don't know if Colby's got a better gas tank than him. I don't know if it will matter if he is able to get, you know, if Colby's not able to pretty much get through. If I think Usman, if he wants to, will put Colby on the ground too. I think he's a better wrestler. I'm just kind of guessing here, though. Um, one of them is 15 and one, and the other one is 15 and one. Um, I don't know who Colby. Oh, Colby lost to Worley Alves, who's not bad. Um, I don't know who opponent. this guy is. Huh? Common opponent. You seriously? You look at these two fucker records, and it's like, is this not the same fucking person? Well, Last you know three what? Fights. They both fought Dos Anjos and Damian Maya. The only thing is different that Usman beat Woodley and Covington beat Robbie Lawler, and then it's like the one guy Covington fought. He also fought Usman. Usman beat him. It's this striking. Well, this fight the top of the division, I guess. Fighting the top of the division. This will do it. Um, I'm I'm just gonna take uh, Usman, and. Uh, Part of it is that this is a really close fight. I think the line probably Steph should be even closer, to be honest. I know Colby started out at like plus 220. So I think um, Usman's inactivity has been a factor here. But part of me, I'll be honest, is just I would like this all to end. Just That's just it. I'd hope it ends. Mike? Um, I'm assuming you're referring to the Colby Covington just this whole uh, This whole thing. Yeah, we just... got to give Bobby a 1-800 number real quick if he just wants it all to end. Call for um, yeah, no, I'm just kind of like, it's not really affecting me when you block all the fucking words on Twitter. I would just like this to, we just move on. Um, Mike, what do you got? Well, Dr. Law, I want to keep this train going because I want to see Colby Covington win, and I think he will. Uh, mainly because uh, uh, everything you just said about Camaro, I agree with, but um, I agree that it's also a very close fight. And the tipping factor for me is just going to be just how much Colby works and the type of uh, pace and pressure that he puts on guys. So for me, that's going to be the tipping point in this fight. Um, there's a good chance I'm going to be wrong, but I, I don't know. Um, as much as I hate Colby Covington, um, I know you, we all know you hate him, Bob. But I'm not a big fan of him either, but um, the guy hasn't, he's in. He's, with each fight he's a very, he very he's good a very fighter. Good fighter. He's an um, excellent fighter. As much as I don't like him, um, I'm gonna hitch my wagon to Colby uh, Covington. Not just bringing the interim belt to the White House, but bringing the actual belt to the White House. So that'll be a great Mark, time. Marcus, I know where you're going with this. Why don't you go ahead and make your pick? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm also going with Covington, and it has nothing to do with his personality or whatever because i could give a fuck and well i watched the countdown it's just like this guy is such a big fucking tool he's, he's like, good <laughs> i mean no, he's, he's good i'm just saying like his personality he's just a tool like he, there's a scene where he's at like he's like oh yeah i'm at dan lapper house with all my bitches or whatever it's like a bunch of models and i was like dude you're such a tool like no one likes you you're so weird but that being said that stuff does not matter at all what matters is these two guys are going to fight in the cage and what we've been saying for months leading up to this is that you know on paper it doesn't seem like the biggest barn burner you know it's no it's no diaz masvidal but I've always been extremely intrigued with this matchup just because they're two high-caliber wrestlers. Um, and really what my divide comes in is that I think Covington is going to – his pace is going to be more consistent and thorough 
But Usman has the explosiveness, right? And that could potentially win him rounds, right? If Usman is able to explode with a big takedown and get Covington on his back and make Covington spend a minute working back up just to get back to his feet, he can still rounds that way. Uh, but the thing is, with that explosive p- power and that explosion just comes a lot of energy. And Usman's in fantastic shape. We know he can go hard. He beat Woodley in that fifth round. So we know he knows how to reserve some of that energy in the tank to get it done. But with a guy like Covington, when he's putting on the pace, if he's controlling the pace, you don't get to dictate when you expend energy and when you're depleting your stamina and walk. And when you're not, it's going to be up to the guy who's leading the dance. And if Covington can can do that, he might be able to fluster Usman. Like you guys said, super close matchup. I think that it's, first you know, round is very important. Oh, yeah. Honestly. I think we'll it's know, a very we'll important first pretty round. quickly at the end of that round. If Usman is able to establish a wrestling game, is able to get on top that he's going to have a really good chance to, to win this fight. But if they have to stand and bang and fight in the clinch and struggle there, you know, and, and if Covington is kind of dictating the dance, I think he has a good chance to kind of win these rounds and get a decision. I think this fight is going to end at a decision. I'd be a little surprised if either one of these guys finishes the other. Yeah, no, no one can bust a grape in this one. Right. I mean, I think Usman has the most explosive power, but that's usually with exploding to finish a big double leg or a big takedown and not so much he's got granite in his fist that was the that was the other side when he fought woodley he didn't have the power in that fight he had to utilize his wrestling which he did very well so yeah it, it's a coin uh, coin toss and i'm i think it's going to be a really compelling match and i think covington i was just blown away with that robbie lawler performance you know this was that, this was my that chance was for him really impressive yeah that was his chance for him to impress me and fuck did he ever so i'm picking him in this fight so we'll see how the the cards lay at the end of it um they're both real pressure guys, too. That's the thing. Like, even Usman is. This going to be interesting. The first round's really going to tell us a lot. Steph, we got uh, Mark and Mike on uh, Covington. You got me with Usman. Where are you leaning, buddy? Yeah. Um. Uh, I guess I'll concede. I thought, uh, you know, I didn't think there would be this much uh, Colby support um, going on. So um, I can go with kind of where my heart is. I've had this inkling in my gut that it's going to be Colby. Um, just to kind of keep this shitty world going. Yeah, I was gonna say, um, Seth, nothing's you know, going, nothing well is happening. He's then, gonna uh, win. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me now that Mike would support this dude. Wants that freak show of a train to keep rolling. I saw what he bought uh, you for Christmas a couple years ago. I'm very disappointed that Mike put money in those people's pockets. I won't say it. I won't say it on air. I won't say it, Mike. People well, can I have, no, I have no shame in it. Uh, my useless Christmas gift to Bobby last year was a mega hat. I don't even. I, I think that. I think my dad gave it to somebody <laughs> as a gift. <laughs> I think my dad just gave it to somebody. He said, Here it's you a go. great gag gift. Thanks for many years of uh, customer and patronage. Um, but why I'm comfortable picking Usman uh, to make my official pick. Um, I agree with everything about Colby. He's very impressive. His pressure is entirely dependent on the threat and the fear of his takedown. He gets his strikes off because he gets guys thinking about the takedown. Uh, he yeah he was great at avoiding Robbie's power that's you know he deserves kind of being in this top spot but the reason he the reason he froze and got so many strikes off on Robbie is Robbie froze anticipating the takedown after he got it late in the first round every other round was Robbie thinking about the takedown Usman does not have to worry about the takedown um you know we all thought he was a little a little raw a little green for Tyron Woodley and then he proceeded to make Tyron Woodley have the worst night of his fighting career i've seen Tyron get knocked out but hey anyone can get a punch he was outclassed across the board he lost every striking exchange he lost every clinch exchange could not take usman down got taken down by usman and that that leaves a mark um the guy it was had a five round his, ass kicking it's just 
you know, like sometimes you say, like you can, you like the first round knockouts, but when you see just a outclassing, you make a guy look like he's washed. Like, you know, you could have speculated like if Tyron Woodley never fights again, it wouldn't surprise me if he's just broken here on out. If he's been exposed, you know, that's the kind of like classing it was. So um, Usman, he's got the look and heart of a champion right now. He had all his family dressed to the nines, ready to celebrate with him. Like he's a guy who's ready for the moment. And very much like his like Nigerian like ethnic countryman, uh, Izzy Adesanya. These are guys that like look ready for the moment of being a champion. So um, I'd like to see him get a run. Great points. That's I. I think we all agree this is a real close one. It's I mean at least on paper we'll see maybe somebody gets caught with something. Um. All right, Alexander Volkanovsky, um, trying to take that belt off Max Holloway. This one, the betting odds kind of surprised me, Steph, to be honest. Uh, why don't you tell the people what we got? Uh, it's more or less the same line as the last fight where we have a uh, minus 170 favorite and a plus 150 underdog in Volkanovski. Yeah, um, Volkanovski is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 0 oh in the goddamn UFC. Seven wins, zero losses. Two of those are finishes of a guy named Jeremy Kennedy, and the other one, Chad Mendez. Um, put down Chad Mendez in less than two rounds. Jose Aldo had to cheat to put down Chad Mendez. Um, he also beat Jose Aldo. Uh, Max Holloway's last performance, I believe, was when uh, we gave uh, Frankie Edgar a title shot that probably should have gone to Alex Volkanovsky. Correct. Um, not that Frankie wasn't deserving in general. It was just Volkanovsky deserved it more. And Max really reminded some folks what was what, because after the Dustin Poirier fight, I think a lot of people... A lot of shine came off. A lot of shine came off, just because I think a lot of people were probably not giving Dustin Poirier the credit he deserved, but we also but uh, Max got his ass kicked for a lot of that fight. Came back, put on a really good performance against Frankie Edgar, 50-45, 49-46, 48-47 from possibly a blind judge on that last one. Um, this is... I mean, with every Max Holloway fight, we're wondering how many more at 145 just because he's so big, quite frankly, and he had a couple of scary weight cuts. Um, betting line, Steph said what it was. I'm not, I'm picking Max Holloway. I love watching Max Holloway fight. I like five rounds of a man putting a master class on strategy, quite frankly. Wait, but what, what was the betting odds that surprised you so much? He's only minus 170. He has the same odds of victory as Kamara Usman. Alex Volkanovsky's good, man. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I know Volkanovsky's pretty good, but uh, did we forget something about Max Holloway? How is he such a slight favorite? Uh, I think the guy also, like, he's got a bunch of, like, he's got a grappling background. I think that might be part of it. I don't know, to be honest. He's good. I think he's a Dustin fight um, because the the thing that's making me skeptical in this moment are my lasting tastes of hit that Dustin fight, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's... It wasn't great. And what was the final betting? What was he lost every round in that Dustin fight? Ah, oh, he won. A, he won a round. He won the. He won a round in there. But yeah, it wasn't going well. I got Max. Um, Mike, Mike, who do you got? Yeah, I mean, I got Max as well. And I mean, I think people are quick to forget, you know, the things going into that um, Dustin, that Dustin Poirier fight. I mean, he was fighting at one fifty five, so. You know, obviously he was fighting a, a bit bigger a bigger opponent than he was used to, and Dustin Poirier isn't any type of slouch. So I think honestly he, was, he got he losing got losing to Dustin in a weight division that's not your own. 
doesn't seem like it should burn you that much when it comes to fight odds. But well, he also, Mike, he also, I think, honestly, he got hit within like 30 seconds of that fight. And then he just never came back. Like, it was, he was fucked from the jump almost in that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I would understand these betting odds if this was the first fight since the Dustin fight, but took did pretty quick work of, uh, well, not quick work, but like he handled uh, Frankie pretty well. But um, I have Max in this fight. I think this fight is going to go a lot like other Max Holloway fights where maybe the first round or two, um, he's just uh, downloading the information from the opponent. And probably by the fourth round, I think he finishes Volkanovski. Yeah, I was going to say late stoppage is what I think, too, to be honest. Um, Staff, what do you think? Uh, I'm taking Max, but um, I probably, you know, I, I, I give Volkanovski a lot of credit. This one makes me more nervous of the two um, fights we've discussed so far. Like, I really think Volkanovski is a live dog. But I, the reason I can't pull the trigger on him is just because he does not seem exceptional anywhere to me. And usually to be a champion, you have to be exceptional somewhere. He's... He's better than a B plus. He's like an A minus and B pluses guy. Like he's pretty damn good across the board, but there's just he doesn't totally get me excited just because there's still something lacking in his skill set where it's just like you don't seem like you steamroll people. It's not flashy enough. Yeah, he, he's just a real meat and potatoes guy. Uh, uh, it just makes me not able to pick him. But I, I very much am nervous about him taking the belt off Max. Uh, Mark. What do you think, man? No one's beaten Max Holloway with this weight class since Conor McGregor in 2013. Yeah, no, I mean, I, we're all going with Max, and I think to Stefan's point, uh, you know, what Alex is good at is, like, the things that aren't really skill-based, right? And, and I think, and I learned a lot of this watching the countdown. This dude used to be a rugby player. He used to weigh 240 pounds and used to have to be physical in a physical demanding sport like rugby with dudes that were 240 pounds. Now he's 100 pounds lighter, so I think he has that physicality where he's big, he's strong. He's not going to get out-muscled by other dudes because, like, <laughs> dude, I, I used to – heavyweights I was, you know, tackling, and I'm 5'6", you know, this – so in that men mentality, he has that kind of mental strength. He has that physicality, but I agree. His skill set doesn't have that, like, man, this guy is dynamic in his striking or, fuck, this guy in the clinch can take you down or fuck you up with knees or on the top or on the bottom. This guy, there's no place where it's like, oh, this guy is really got you in a dangerous spot, right? He, he's a pressure fighter, and he can kind of make guys collapse under the pressure. And maybe he can do that with Max, but what I've seen in Max in the last couple of years is an evolution of his game, is an evolution of his striking, is a better understanding of not just dis distance, timing, and speed, but how to switch stances and confuse your opponent and make sure that you're always in that spot to land that killing blow. These are evolutions of his game. With Alexander, I, you know, I haven't gotten a lot of looks to really see like, okay, he is improving in these aspects. Mostly what I've seen is just like, this dude is physical as fuck. He's going to get in your face. And where he does well is in the clinch up against the cage. He's going to be able to manhandle people. That's where he beat Chad. That's where he controlled Jose Aldo for a lot of it. It's just being a big, strong guy and muscling. And, you know, maybe he can do that with Max. But what I see Alexander's going to have trouble with is getting in the inside of Max. He's going to keep him on the outside. He's going to keep him confused with his jab and his straight punches and kicks and changing uh, stances. Yeah, um, and only three people have beaten Max Holloway in this way. I've beaten Jose Aldo in this weight class. And uh, Conor McGregor, Max Holloway, Alexander Volkanovsky. So, man's talented. And he's got, like, a near six-foot reach, which despite his fire hydrant-like looking self he he actually got a pretty decent reach doesn't like got the t-rex arms going 
Um, final title fight on here. The greatest female fighter that's ever been, Amanda the Lioness Nunez, taking on Jermaine. She had a nickname. I forgot what it was. Durandomy. The Iron Lady. The Iron Lady. I like it, too. It's not bad. Um, isn't that also the nickname of, like... Margaret Thatcher. Was it no, was it Iron was it the name of Margaret Thatcher? Yep. Yes. Well, there we go. Um Um she's a what, two eighty on favorite? Two eighty favorite, second biggest favorite on the card. I'm just putting this out there. She beat this she beat a man uh Jermaine Randomy in four minutes. And if I'm not saying Jermaine Randomy hasn't gotten better. Amanda Nunez has definitely gotten better since that fight. And I don't know if like maybe because it's at a higher weight class. They think Jermaine's got a better chance because she's bigger, but I don't think this is going to be close. I got Amanda Nunes. She's going to put her down in less than two rounds. Mark? Uh, yeah, I mean, I have Nunes too. Uh, you know, being at 145 potentially makes things a little different, but I mean, ultimately at this point, Amanda Nunes is the best female fighter of all time, and I think that's unquestionable. She has beaten everybody. She's beaten all the legends she needed to, including... Ronda Rousey and Cyborg. I mean, these were, and Cyborg was the monster. She was the one. No, they made a division that no one wanted to fight in because no one wanted to fight Cyborg. And what was so funny was like in Amanda's Nunes' first strike force fight, she won at 35. And they're like, you're going to fight Cyborg soon? She's like, no, I'm going to practice and get better. And I'll beat that bitch later. And she fucking did. She didn't say that, of course, because she's classy, unlike me. Um, but yeah, I have Amanda Nunes in this fight. <laughs> there's, there's really little reason to think that anything will go differently, if not better for her. I think Amanda Nunes' stand up is so much better. She's so much more in the moment and she knows, she sees the openings. When, when she fought Holly Holm, Holly made one mistake. She saw an opening for a head kick, and like that, she threw it and won the fight. So, um, yeah, I definitely think Amanda Nunes is going to get this. There's only one person who has a close fight with Amanda Nunes, and we learned that's Valentina Shevchenko. I thought it was Kat Zingano, but... No! I mean, that was like it's five years ago, but literally, like, I'm looking at her record, and it's like, knockout, 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 split decision, Shevchenko. Knockout, submission, decision, Shevchenko. Submission, knockout. I went all the that's way it. back to Shayna Baszler. Um, Steph, who do you got? <laughs> Um, yeah, you're, you're saying uh, that maybe this should have been the true top of the card, and I, I think Nunez does have the most star potential. But um, maybe for that reason, it's the third of the title fights. It's kind of it feels a little bit like a squash match. Um, not that Jermaine's bad. It's just like you all said, Amanda's the best. They haven't put a dime behind Amanda Nunez. I, I, We've, that's what I was gonna say. You could, I mean, I get like like Mike said, and like you said, Bobby, I get why Covington's at the top because he, you know, he. He's controversial, right? He he gets headlines. He says some dumb shit, but like, you have a chance to like really sell the best. And there's there's no equivocation here. There's no argument to be had here. The best female fighter of all fucking time. You have that on this card, and you're bearing it. And I get it. This is a rematch of a fight she already won. The fight itself is hard to sell, but I think at this point you just sell like, this is the best woman of all time. You thought Ronda Rousey was some shit. She blew the shit out of her and she's beating everyone along the way but you, you know, know i i get the understanding but like i wish they would put some you know like you said Bob, we talked about she, put she's one dime you behind can get her. her on ellen there's so many ways yep. you can market her and they just don't care she's, you know I, I, I was waiting for someone to say that pretty much anytime we mention amanda nunez somebody at some point says hey put her on ellen okay look i know we're like like we're basically saying like let's you know play the gay card and like exploit the fact that she's gay but this sport's reputation is Stefan always talks about it to what says this is a niche sport, right? And people have an impression of it. Like it's, and it's, it's not, not just that Ellen's gay. Ellen has an audience. Yeah. Ellen is 
Oprah right now. It they put Rhonda on there. Rhonda was on Ellen at least yeah. two or three. The first times. lady goes on Ellen. Like I'm just saying, maybe maybe they tried, but I don't know. Put her on Conan. You and, put MMA fighters the, on that. And the thing is, too, is Amanda is very charismatic and personable. You know, you're not dealing she's, with she's, someone that's like she's stiff. funny. She speaks the language. She, she's, exactly. She's funny. <laughs> she speaks the language. Come out and come out with her wife. And I mean, I, I, you say exploiting. I think it's just marketing. You have a commodity here. You have a, a fascinating story, a really cool package to sell to the people to make a star. But the UFC isn't interested in making a star. They're just interested at putting a spotlight on on guys or women who are already trying to make themselves a star, right? And Amanda Nunes isn't really that woman, right? She's not out there like, oh, I need to have more eyes on me. She's out there like, I'm just a fucking fighter, and I'm training the hardest I can to be the best I can in my sport, and she's succeeding. So that's where her focus is. The UFC is the brass. They need to be like, we got something fantastic here. We could have a pay-per-view with just Amanda Nunes. We don't need to stack it with two other title fights. She can sell. You just have to promote her, but they don't want to do that. You know what, man? Joe Rogan talks about how when she fought uh, Ronda Rousey, that the WME people, like, some of them didn't even know who, like, Amanda Nunes was. Like, he says that. He's like, I that's, talked to some people. They didn't know who they fine. were. You know, a lot of people don't know who Amanda Nunes is. I know, is. honestly, I'm wondering, honestly. Rousey, and then you know who she, she is. She killed two cash cows and whatever you want to call Misha Tate too. She killed Ronda. Well, Cyborg wasn't a cash cow. That Dana White couldn't wait to fuck. You talking about Holly? Dana White, <laughs> Dana White couldn't, 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 the only champion he disliked more than Tyron Woodley was Cyborg. All right. That was the only other one. But like, I almost feel like, are we punishing this lady? Like she would not, there's not even a question in my mind. She should be the main event of this thing. What the fuck are we doing? She is owed that. All right. She is owed being the main event of this card. Did everybody pick even? Does any? I mean, I don't remember who I asked anymore. We, Guys, we, we all picked. Uh, we all picked I, haven't, I haven't yeah. picked yet. I'm, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going with Nunez. Transit after all, I, after all this, if Mike's just like picking the upset. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm, right now. I'm not going on that island on my own. But through transitive property, Nunez beat Cyborg, who Durandamine was way too chicken to actually fight. I mean, she also beat Jermaine, Jermaine Durandamine. You don't yeah, need also, to go transitive also, also, direct property. <laughs> yeah. Be Durandity. Um, Forgot about that. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. 18 wins, 13 knockouts. Not enough, huh? Okay. All right. Um, let's talk to the... Let's get to the uncomfortable part of this card. Um, what is Jose Aldo doing? You guys saw that picture. Did anyone see like the, these bottom two fights we're about to pick? And it's like, why isn't Aldo just fighting Faber? Like, yeah, right. what is that, like, happening? Have that, two that, that, young guys fight each other. It's like Dana White is like, I'm putting, I'm like, I'm collecting two fucking old man scalps today. Aldo, <laughs> that's true. Just put Aldo versus Faber. I would have happily watched Aldo versus Faber. You said about this, this. These next two fights are. It's called generational culling. That's what is happening right now. We are thinning the pasture Stephon, of the older herd. You ruined this main card because now all I see is they fucked up this fight. They got it wrong and they should have done it the other way. God damn it. Look, I mean, let's start with the first one here. Jose Aldo cutting to 135. I'm not saying he's not, he's too like big, but that camp doesn't know how to cut weight. He, every weight cut Jose Aldo has looks like he's fucking dying. And that were that was weight cuts to 145. This is an extra 10 pounds. Where the hell is he getting an extra 10 pounds to cut? I mean, look, I know Jose, I mean, we have this, I mean, my impression of Jose Aldo is that he's ancient. I mean, he's, I'm older than him. He's only, he's September 9th, 1986 is his birthday. Like, he's, Stefan's barely younger than him. 
But how is he? Where, where are the? Yeah, where are these ten pounds coming from, Mike? You saw that picture. That picture wasn't like. That, that was like was two weeks ago. Like what? A week? Two ago? weeks ago? Yeah, I was gonna say two weeks ago, maybe. Like, I hope he makes it, man. And like this matchup is doing him no favors, because Marlon Marais. I mean, I know I picked Henry to beat him, but that was just me being like grabbing my nuts and saying, "Go for it, Henry!" Like what? Like he's basically bantamweight Mike Tyson. Like he's just killing people. He, he's and he's improved since that Henry lost. Like he's he's he hasn't fought since he beat he lost to Henry. Oh, did he not? I thought he had a... no, no, no. He lost. He lost a split. To, no, he beat Henry's ass for the first round and a half, and then oh, Henry then decided. That's right. And then Henry went full fucking yeah. Olympic hero. Like Henry's the best. I can't wait for him to come back. Side note, but like, Mar- I got Marlon Marais. What is it? Minus what, Stefan? What? Is, how much of a favorite is Marlon Marais? Uh, Marais is coming in at minus two to hundred, two to one. Okay, if Jose Aldo just does it, like if Jose Aldo just stops cutting weight, like at one forty-two. And he gets to come in basically at featherweight. Then I feel like he might win this. At 135, I think Marlon Moraes is going to hit him. And it's going to be ugly. Uh, Mike, what do you got? Um, I don't think Jose Aldo even makes it to the fight. Um, You're saying no fight? I'm saying there's going to be no fight. But... Because we actually have to pick something for oh, the purposes. No, that's not of this? true. You can you can take you can go on a line. You can call a draw. You can call a no contest. If you pick no fight and there is no fight, you're the only one that gets that point. <laughs> I was gonna say if you pick no fight and it's no fight, we should just give him the title. You for get the two year. points, Mike. You get let's two points. Let's just give him the belt. I don't want to go he wild. Might win it anyways off of that. So I was going to say back, three points. Come back to me last. I'm, I'm going to think about this proposition. <laughs> Mike's about to give away the championship here. Just we're gonna, we're gonna get, you want to take a three-point shot? You yeah. know, you, we can do that. You know, we can call the draws. Well, I'm, I, I, if, if Mike picks that, I'm making us pick this entire stupid card in Korea next week. <laughs> if, if, you, uh, if you call uh, Todd Duffy giving up during the fight, that's five points. Uh, Steph, what do you got in this one? Uh, Marais, I got a knockout. Yeah, I just hope it's not – I just hope he's like, doesn't – Fuck himself up on this weight cut too bad. I think I think Jose will miss weight, but I think he'll make it. He'll fight. He'll he'll have missed weight. Uh, you know, Cavillo showed us you can miss you can miss five pounds. So uh, yeah. although we'll do something like that, it'll be an egregious weight miss. Uh, Mark. Uh, yeah, I have uh, Maurice too, and, and mostly you know, and we we're all so guilty of this because. Just check out Jose Aldo's record. Oh, Jose Aldo's a fucking man, but like, yeah, it's like it's not nearly as bad as it is in my head. Like in my head, it's like, oh, it's well, he's just taking some now. ass kickings, is what it is. I mean, he's he did, but a- when you really look at it, he lost to Connor. That was like four years ago. Three people. Yeah, he lost to Connor. He lost twice to Max, which was, you know, those were pretty dominating, and those left an impression. But he won two fights after that, and then he lost to Volkanovski. Who, I mean, you know... That was kind of close, man. Well, I mean, and, and come Saturday, maybe our opinion of uh, Volkanovski is drastically different. If he just goes out there and demolishes Max Holloway, then it looks like, well, Jose Aldo just really just lost to, like, some of the best fucking champions of all time. Does he really need to use 10? Because that's also what I'm getting at. Like, I don't really... Looking back at his record... We're going the wrong way, man. necessary to go 135. Yeah. Um, but and that's more or less why I'm picking Maurice. I I think it, in in at 145, I think this is a really competitive close match. But that X factor of this weight cut is just looming, so I can't go with him. I'm honestly, yeah, I'm sitting here saying, man, we should have just given us Faber versus Aldo too. That would have been fun. No, Stefan nailed it. You nailed it. Yeah, Stefan, right that would have been, me, that been fun. <laughs> you also would have asked Uriah. They could have been like, Uriah, you want to be a pal and do it at 140? Uriah would have been like, fuck, man, sure. 
Like, he would have done it. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was just a betting loss. It's like, okay, we got two rising prospects here. We got two of the big favorites of the card fighting two old guys who maybe, may or not should retire. Um, okay. Right. We all Mike, is up Mike on doing the Hail Mary? Let's go. Yeah, Mike, what are we doing? Nah, man, I'm not going to do the Hail Mary. <laughs> um, Mike's like, if I was in last place, if that's the type of move I would do. I think if <laughs> Stefan didn't bring up the very real scenario that he's just going to miss weight but still fight, I think Mike, if that didn't get into Mike's head, he might have been like, all right, I could see him. Eventually, uh, Mike is predicting some sort of medical disaster. Yeah, that's what it would be. cleared or something. I all can right. see that too. So here's, here's one of two things that's going to happen. Either it's going to be a medical disaster where Jose Aldo's kidneys start shutting down, and he has to medically pull out of the fight, or somehow he makes it onto the scale. Uh, and let's say I'm, I'm gonna say at 139, 140, and he whoops up on Moraes because, as you guys have mentioned already, he's only lost like three Yo, days in the last four I, years. That's the thing, everything you guys said is right. Moraes is awesome. That on top of everything else, like he's fighting an awesome the, fighter. The, la the last third scenario, Mike, is that he pulls a TJ Dillashaw, he somehow. Blows everyone mind. He made it to 135, and then we find out, like, oh, yeah, he totally had to take drugs to do that and then got knocked out instantly. <laughs> Man, we're still only, like, not even a year into TJ's suspension. Wow. <laughs> he's got, he still has, like, what, three years? He's three got years? another, he's got another year. He got a two-year suspension. Oh, two years? I like the introduction um, of spicing up the picks, though, with these uh, out I'm there. I'm going to go, with, I'm going to go with Aldo because I'm trying Are you picking to win, the baby. win? I'm a, yeah, I'm, I want to win, baby. We, yeah, we got there was no fight a few minutes ago, and now all. Yeah, we winning. got we got you got next week, man. You can pick Frankie Edgar to but beat Korean I, Zombie. I'm realizing <laughs> all of you pick Murray, so it's like I got I got to pick my spots to try to you know catch he does. up. Some more. That's it. Yeah, right, you're right. He's gonna potentially die. Oh man, next week I'm gonna pick so much wild shit to try to catch up. <laughs> it's not even a question. <laughs> it won't matter for this year, but I'm telling you right now, I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the hail mary shot. Uh, Tony Habib, I'm calling no fight. I'm calling it. All right, you no gotta fight. call it then. Um, all right, so, um, <laughs> the final fight on this card, uh, by the way, folks, those of you who are enjoying this short podcast scenario, we really, like, I would say we tried this time, but we're already at an hour, so we're gonna try to pick up the pace here a little bit, there's only one more we're picking here, Uriah Faber, Peter Yan, um, Jesus Christ, this is a hard fight for him to win, <laughs> like, best up on betting odds. Uh, you wanna move things along here, we got the 5-1 to one favorite versus old man Faber. I'm going Look, with I know Peter Young. I know Faber's trying to convince everybody he's going to get a title shot. Let me tell you, man, if he beats Peter, if he finishes Peter Yon, give him a fucking title shot. Whatever. Like, yeah, the, a five to uh, one underdog. That's a good enough reason for him to if, get a title shot. If he finishes uh, Peter Yon, you need to test that man for PEDs. I think if, I mean, Faber's had a six pack since he was like two. So maybe. <laughs> Let's, uh, uh, real talk. Nobody's picking against Yon here, I'm assuming. Yeah, that seems to be yeah. correct. No, you're um, right. If I'm Uriah Faber and this guy's a boxer, which he mostly is, motherfucker, just start shooting. Just shoot like it's UC Davis and you're an 18-year-old college student, man. Just shoot on this kid. Ah, so That's you your only chance. Yon by short uppercut knockout. Yeah, I was going to say, if I'm Faber, I'm not fucking around. Like, what are we even doing? Like, your best shot here. Just shoot. Um, His nickname is No Mercy, too. Peter Yon doesn't even seem nice. Seems real. <laughs> this is real harsh. <laughs> They're just going to make the winner of this fight and the other fight fight each other. It's going to be Marais versus Peter Yan yet next. Just watch. Um, all right. That's it. Um, bet, uh, prelims got some good shit. Um, uh, so just I, one more thing since we're uh, heading up on the last few weeks of the season. I'll be giving uh, weekly updates on the standings. 
So DJ Mark uh, lost a uh, lost a game in the standings after going after going two one and two because because of the two majority draws uh, last week, I had to put uh, a tie category in there mainly because I didn't want to put them in the loss category because we are all dangerously close to five hundred or sub five hundred records. Those are all losses, but sure. No, no, no. Those are ties. So DJ Mark is now 55, 49, and 2. Me and uh, Kid P are both 54, 50, and 2. They're one back. And Dr. Law is 53, 51, and 2. So it's still anybody's game. I'm back, too. You guys are back one. That's right. I'm going to have to pick against Duho Choi next week. Uh-huh. That's how this is going to have to happen. Duho! Um, new friend of the podcast, Xavier Woods, appreciated me letting him know that Duho's fighting next week. You've got to remind him again, too. Keep, uh, keep honestly, man, He's going to forget. You know what, man? They got our own podcast now. Him because I think it's partly because Woods has nothing to do. The New Day has a podcast. Man, I'm telling you guys, the dream guest for me on this podcast is Big E. Makes no sense, but that's all I want for this podcast. I just want Big E to join us. That's it. And I can only imagine if he were to join us, that would be the podcast where we have like connection issues. That would be perfect. Yeah. Big E from some fucking like cracker barrel he's pulled over to the side of the road at. <laughs> on the middle of the country. Um, all right. Yeah. That's, uh, that's UFC 245. Check out Matt Brown versus, uh, Ben Saunders. That sounds awesome. And Irene Aldana, Ketlin Vieira's fight. That's a fight that's happening. Uh, and, he will win or lose by split decision. And Mike Perry versus uh, Jeff Neal. Mike Perry's a decent sized underdog because uh, Jeff Neal's not scared of mean faces. Um, real, t- real quick before we go to stuff we like. Did you guys catch that they booked pro- uh, Diego Sanchez versus uh, the cartwheeling guy, Pizarras? Nope. Like, <laughs> that seems like Diego is just going to growl at him while this guy flips around the cage. It's going to be a weird, weird fight. Weird fight. Um, the guy who gave it up to uh, the random small Canadian? Was that who he lost to? You remember this fight, oh, yeah. Mark? Yeah. He's <laughs> a local yeah. hero. <laughs> oh, Brandon Moreno's on the undercard. Jessica I on the undercard as well. Um, Jessica I, she fought since we thought Valentina killed her. This is her first fight back. Good to know she's alive. All right. Uh, stuff we like. Um... Stefan, go. Um, not a lot. Like I said, it's it's just a season. You stop on watching the same stuff. It's just <laughs> Watchmen keeps rolling. Rick and Morty keeps rolling. Um, I'm watching a lot of Star Wars content. I'm getting myself hyped. Um, I know it's not been fun to be a Star Wars fan in a minute. Um, I'm watching Clone Wars. Been watching a little bit of Rebels. Rewatching uh some of the recent movies to kind of lead up. Um, me and Bob got our tickets for opening night. Uh, I was telling Mark about this. Um, it's it's something I like, but I haven't experienced, but I want to experience it now. I've been watching a ton of YouTube videos specifically about Galaxy's Edge. Um, and I thought I was going to watch them with the intention of like talking myself out of some of these Star Wars merch. Like I don't like Star Wars as much as I used to. $200 build a lightsaber experience. It, that, that seems a little pricey. Watch those videos, man, and I'm like, God damn it, they got me for $200. I need to do this. I want to build the damn lightsaber. I want to choose my color kyber crystal. And did you know that one in every 85 red kyber crystals will give you a black kyber crystal? I didn't want the red kyber crystal, but I want the goddamn black one, and I'm going to be suckered into getting the color I don't want. 
but it looks fun. The droid building factory looks fun. If you build an R2 unit, you can add, uh, you can buy the accessory for another $20, but um, remember in Return of the Jedi when uh, R2-D2 becomes a drink carrier? You can buy that little attachment. Your little yeah, robot R2 can uh, bring you your cups. Your um, dogs would not approve of the R2 just chilling around your house, man. No, that would freak them out. Uh, you have the option of building an R2-style astromech or a BB-8-style astromech for the uh, people out there who like the little ball droid. Um, this stuff just I, looks really fun. They have a new ride in uh, Disney World. I guess it's opening in California Adventure uh, end of January for us. I'm probably not going to make it to Disneyland until the spring at the earliest, but um, just nice to see that stuff expanding. Um, I hope people like Star Wars again after this next movie. I don't have high hopes, but um, I'm liking Star Wars again. It's fun. I want to do the theme park. I still like Star Wars. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just watching Watchmen. I can't really emphasize this enough. But if you somehow read the book and did not start watching this show yet, Stefan, I feel the most recent episode should be a... Look, man, we're getting a payoff of shit that you guys read 30 years ago. Read the goddamn... Watch the goddamn show. I do want a non-reader's take on this most recent episode. Was it just uh, a lot of, you know, Moon Man... Hey, uh, uh, Moon Man before, speak? Before you spill anything, I haven't seen We're not it spilling. Yet. We're not spilling. Mike, you gotta watch it right after this podcast. So yeah, I'm, I'm gonna take this. a shower and then watch it. Um, I just say, this was the most comic book intensive of all the episodes they've shown, where having a previous knowledge base seems like a prerequisite, but maybe not. Maybe this show is accessible to everyone. I love it, so it doesn't really matter. But, um, yeah, this show... I'm never, I haven't been this excited to watch a TV show weekly in a long time. To be honest, I don't think I've had one in quite some time that I've been like, I know your stuff. You had Game of Thrones, which I enjoyed. It just wasn't like this for me where I'm like, I got to watch this shit like this. Like, like, I think I was like last night I was home. I'm like, I'm watching this now. Don't care how late it is. Um, but yeah, Watchmen, Mandalorian. I didn't know I was watching Disney uh, in four Disney plus in 4K was not aware I was watching it in 4K. So it looks nice in 4K. That's really all I got. Mark? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll just mention, because Stefan mentioned the Star Wars rides and stuff. I'm still watching the uh, Imagineers, and that's a good show. I shed a tear in this last episode. They're talking about fucking theme parks, and I'm like, I fought it. And I was like, oh, I mean, I was a little lit, too, so that probably definitely helped. But I was definitely like, am I really crying because this dude has had a magical experience at Disneyland? But, uh, I mean, look, it's like six episodes in. They, they, they start to pull at you a little bit. Uh, but no, I was actually going to mention, um, as you guys know, I usually uh, talk about video games and the big uh, holiday gaming season has passed. There's not a lot of games coming out, but as you guys are listening to this and later in the week, there's still there's a lot of ton of fucking announcements about video games. Um, as you guys are listening to this um, today on the 10th this morning, Sony was holding one of its state of plays. This is kind of their digital video press conference thing where they kind of talk about new games coming out, uh, show trailers, and potentially give release dates. So I, at least I'm somewhat anticipating them uh, giving a release date for Ghost of Tsushima, which has been one of the big first-party titles that is still coming out on PlayStation 4, but they don't have a release date on. Um, I just found out today that Nintendo's holding a indie showcase at 10 o'clock. So both Nintendo and Sony are showing off games uh, today, as you guys are listening to this. And then later this week on Thursday is the Game Awards, and... While the Game Awards themselves, 
I appreciate what they're trying to do in celebrating gaming, which I'm very much a fan of. Um, can a lot, a lot often be cringeworthy, um, but there's also a lot of game announcements, uh, new stuff coming out for the new year. So I'm, I'm expecting some uh, exciting announcement uh, there as well. And just I, I like watching the game awards because it is cringy. You don't know what the fuck a weird thing's going to happen next, which just makes the whole show kind of fun. So yeah, a lot of interesting gaming news should have already hit you guys and be hitting you later this week. So yeah, look out for that. Yo, MLB The Show is coming to other systems? I would about that? be surprised, is it? That's what's happening. That's Apparently, pretty dope, because they're, they're I mean, literally I bought baseball. PlayStation exclusive. No, they're saying uh, MLB The Show is coming to other game consoles as early as 2021, and it was announced by MLB PR. Oh, uh, they might have lost the license, maybe? No, they're, they're announcing they signed a new agreement, and I think it was... Um, I think MLB was like, we need other people to play this fucking game because the other baseball games fucking suck. There MLB is no needs more money. Games. They've been wasn't losing one, wasn't uh, there... market share to MLS of all things the last couple of years. Hey man, that pitcher just got two hundred fifty million dollars, so at least the, the Washington D.C. team is doing well. Um, I have the system that has the show anyway, so it doesn't matter. But it's I think, I think fourteen free? is the last that? edition of the show I got. I think I got uh, the one after. Uh, maybe 15 or 16 i think i don't know well last month it was free on playstation plus but i missed it oh well i played a very realistic career as a middle relief pitcher i was not a starter i was not a closer i didn't have to play in that many games though the season sim pretty fast um rest in peace mvp baseball my favorite baseball franchise, baseball game series of all time what is the uh, name of that neo geo baseball series where they're robots hmm I can't mm, remember. Oh, fuck. I used to play. You know, if, there was a Neo Geo one, but that one. Fury, the I was Neo, playing that game. Yeah, the Neo. I liked the Neo Geo one. Is there? Is just future. Then there's something called like Base Wars that was on like Nintendo, and that one's legit, just fucking robots. And then and if you get thrown out, you can also just beat up that robot, and then you're safe. <laughs> it's really fun. Uh, MLB Slugfest, you can beat the fuck out of each other. Yeah, too. I mean, I think they probably that, took that, that from that robot game. Yeah, that was pretty great, and. Uh, True OG out there, Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball, Super Nintendo. I was excellent at that game. So you guys all know. Uh, Mike, what do you got this week? Uh, two things this week. Uh, one is that I am enjoying uh, Steph's new camera setup over the last few weeks because we get to see a lot of his uh, baby puppy, uh, Gogi. Um, I Mike, much you're enjoy. Visit. You're gonna, you'll get the in-person experience while you're here. I, I, I very much enjoy uh, Steph's uh, camera setup now because you know we get we're, to see his know, dog a lot. We're just leaving Mike at the, one of these days. You're not have to, you're not gonna have to pay for a rover or whatever the fuck it's called, Steph. <laughs> we're just gonna leave Mike at your house to right. take care of them. Mike, I'll, <laughs> g- I'll give you the uh, combination to the lockbox on my door. Um, I'll leave the leashes out for you. Hey, no doubt. <laughs> um, besides besides uh, Steph's puppy. Uh, the other thing that I encountered last week during a Cyber Monday was there was a game that looks like it's been a, out for about four years, but I just discovered it on the great deals for the on the Nintendo store. It's called uh, 20XX. I actually sent Mark a message about it last week. Um, it's essentially a game that is the spiritual in my in my head, the spiritual successor to Mega Man X. Much like what uh, My Hero Number Nine was, was supposed to be, except that game sucked. Um, this game, Twenty XX, is actually really good. Um, it is essentially a Mega Man X game. Um, you can 
play as uh, two different characters. One of them is a girl who basically looks like Mega Man, um, has a blaster, can take on other people's powers through levels. And the other guy is named Ace, who is essentially zero. He's uh, all in red. All he uses is a sword. He doesn't have any blasters. Um, and when he takes on abilities, it's in his own special way as well. Um, and the premise of the game is that um, two um, two scientists, they're trying to make the ultimate robot. And the premise of the game is that you are playing as either one of the two robots that keeps going on test runs. So you will continuous when you go through a stage, you're continuously fighting different um different bosses until you actually die and so you'll go through like on one run you know maybe 10 12 you know 20 different bosses depending on how good you are and at the end when you die the scientists just assume all right well that was just a, a shit prototype all right well let's just destroy it and start anew so it's a it's a very cynical game that I, I I've enjoyed playing you know while while on the train um when I don't want to play a Pokemon uh, Shield um in those uh, given moments so I think it might still be on sale on the Nintendo Store for about eight bucks so if you have uh, ten bucks to spare and you want a game that'll give you some enjoyment check out Twenty XX. Uh, so, Michael, let me just ask you real quick, because uh, so the type of game it is, it's a roguelike. That's where you keep doing runs over and over again. Do you get power ups when you do your runs? Do you get different power ups along the way? Yeah, you do. So there's two okay. different types of power ups. Um, the more runs you do, you'll get what are called, uh, I think, soul cards, where when you eventually die, um, you can you get a trade in the soul cards oh, for like certain permanent um, gotcha. upgrades. But as you go on the runs, you can get um, upgrades just for on that, that run. particular run. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. That's a really stand. I mean, it's a really fun gameplay loop because each time you run, you don't know what combination you're gonna get, and then you get something really fucking powerful, and you start owning, and it's like, oh shit, this is a really good run. Maybe I can beat the game on this run, and then you die, and then yeah. So it looks like it has all the fixings that because a lot of things that sucks about roguelikes is if it doesn't have that permanent progression, it could just seem like fuck. I had a really good run. I'm never gonna get those power ups again. But when you have something, at least when you die, and you get to like, okay, at least now, this time when I do it, I got to upgrade my life so I have more life this time. Yeah, so it sounds like a well-done roguelike, especially if you like Mega Man X, which I was never good at Mega Man, so it never appealed to me because I just sucked at them really bad. But uh, I, I haven't heard a ton about 20XX, but I've heard a lot of games that basically take a genre like Mega Man games and just kind of fix in the roguelike stuff. And then for a lot of games, it works out really well to just make a really fun game that you can kind of jump into really quickly and uh, get different runs. Have fun. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Um, that was it. We'll be back next week where we are going to talk about Frankie Edgar flying all the way to Korea, I want to say. In Busan. Yeah, and going all the way to Busan to fight the Korean zombie. And somehow he's going to fight again a month later. No way. Um, don't buy tickets to that show, by the way. The only reason they didn't put Frank, pull Frankie from that card yet is because they need to sell tickets. Have a brain. He's not fighting again four weeks later. Or shit. Wait till they confirm. Wait till they see what happens in the Korean zombie fight. Because, Steph, nobody's okay when the Korean zombie fights are over. Him, the other guy, no one's okay. <laughs> 
Zombie's gonna win clean, clean knockout. You know I'm taking Fair Zombie enough. next week. I'm, I think I gotta take Frankie just because I gotta make moves next week because we all pick we pick too similar this week. <laughs> Who, Mike? Who'd you take? And Aldo and Mar- you took Aldo, right? Yeah, Mike had a full I, arc of uh, no yeah. fight is happening to uh, I'm taking Aldo. Yeah, <laughs> he gave the thumbs happen. up. He took Aldo. Yeah. I uh, kind uh, of froze a bit. Yeah, I, I took Aldo. All right, guys. Thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. Long ass episode, but eh, you guys have sat through longer. Maybe. <laughs> uh, I'll be back next week. Um, that was Kid Presentable. That was Lavender Gooms. And that was DJ Mark. I was Dr. Law. See y'all next week. Cheers. Out. Out.